Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, greasy writer Stephanie brings the case against her partner Jeff, who works as a chef. Jeff will often leave his smoky and bacony aprons and detritus in his car. Stephanie thinks that the car should remain neat and clean. Jeff says the mess is manageable, and it comes with a job. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. The first thing we're going to do is flush the follicles with five essential oils. Then we put you under a vapor machine and then a heated cap. Then we shampoo and shampoo and condition and condition. Then we saturate the hair in diluted vinegar, two parts vinegar, ten parts water. Now, if that doesn't work, we have one last resort. Pie hole filling. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, open their pie holes and swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? Yes, I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite his naturally bacony and smoky musk? I do. Yes. Very well, Judge Hodgman. Stephanie and Jeffy may be seated. For an immediate summary judgment in one of your favors, can either of you name the piece of culture that I paraphrased as I entered the courtroom? Jeff, you have been brought to this court against your will by your beloved Stephanie. So it is your option to either guess or make Stephanie guess first. But you both, you both, you both bust guess. Uh, Stephanie can go first. Please. Stephanie <laughs> will go first. Stephanie, what is your guess? Um... <laughs> Best guess I have is something from the back of a Pantene bottle. <laughs> something from the back of a Pantene bottle. Bailiff Jesse, enter that into the into the into the guest jar. Yeah, absolutely. Done. Now, Jeff, it is your turn to guess. Let me just tell you right now, Jeff. How old are you? Uh thirty-one years old. Thirty-one years old. There are people who are forty-one years old and older who are yelling in their cars and by their old-timey internet radio sets right now. Okay. Can you make a guess? And I'm not saying that back of a Pantene bottle is wrong. <laughs> it's definitely a guess. Okay. Uh, maybe a helpful hint by Heloise for getting out odors. A helpful hint by Heloise for getting out orders. Uh, Jesse Thorne, is, is the guest jar full? Yes, sir. It's well. Do we have room for for Jeff's guess? No, we can fit in Jeff's guess. I put Jeff's guess in there. All right. And then that was. There's no more room. Right. No more room. I was. I'm. I don't know. There's no room for my guess or anything. No. 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 Well, you. We, you don't need to guess. I'm sure you know it. It's a beautiful dream I had. A beautiful dream. But we'll put that one in as well. Great. Now shake up the guest jar, and put them out on the table. Pour them out on the table. Let me look them over. Mm-hmm. 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 All guesses are wrong! Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Steph. Jeff and Steph, right? Do you ever, go by, Ste you ever go by Steph? Stephanie? Maybe Jeffany? Jeffany. Do you ever go by <laughs> Jeffany? <laughs> Never. Jeffany and Stephanie, you're both wrong. What do the tabloids call you? <laughs> TBD. <laughs> so, Jeff... Je Jeff, Jeff's. In yeah, I'll case. take that one. Right. 
In any case, all guesses are wrong. It is, of course, a quote from a rather famous Seinfeld episode. Ugh. Guest producer Mary, did you know that one? No, guest producer Mary didn't know it. We're here at, at Cave Comedy Radio. And how old are you, guest producer Mary? I'm 25. 25. No way you would have known it. No one watches Seinfeld anymore. Jesse, did you know this one? No, and I've literally watched every episode of Seinfeld and most of them twice. I don't know. I watched five episodes yesterday. <laughs> really? Well, I guess everyone does watch Seinfeld, but maybe you're not all Taylor Negron fans. Or Taylor Negron. What do you say, Jesse? The actor? Negron? Negron? Taylor Negron? I call him the Brazilianaire. The Brazilianaire? So let's back it up for a second. First of all, this was Elaine's hairstylist saying to her how he was going to clean her hair. And the last resort, of course, was not pie hole filling in the TV show. It was tomato sauce. And then Elaine goes, tomato sauce? And then he says, tomato sauce. And for some reason, this has always stayed with me. As well as the great performance by Taylor Negron, the Brazilianaire, or one of the two Brazilianaires, from the incredibly terrible 1991 film Nothing But Trouble, recently discussed on the other Maximum Fun podcast, The Flophouse which until uh, this week was my enemy podcast, but now is my friend podcast. <laughs> Quite the turnabout. It is. It is. It's a, it's a nice, it's, it's nice that, that we can have peace in our time between podcasts. To my mind, it's like if the Monitor and the Merrimack were friends. But, but that's naval history, and I don't know. <laughs> so Elliot Kalin, my nerdy nemesis, is the co-host of the Flophouse podcast, which I guested on. Uh, for Max Fun Drive, I made peace with the fact that Elliot and Stuart and Dan have a very popular podcast that I have nothing to do with. And I forced my way into it, and we watched Taylor Negron in Nothing But Trouble, and really had a great time, and you should go listen to it after you go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and donate to the Max Fun Drive, which is still going on. And we are grateful for your support. But the reason that I quoted this particular Taylor Negron quote from this particular episode of Seinfeld is this particular episode of Seinfeld is called The Smelly Car from 1993. Jerry goes to a restaurant, gets his car back from the valet, and it smells like body odor. And the body odor transfers itself like a vengeful ghost to Elaine's hair. And she goes in desperation to Taylor Negron to get the smell of sweat out of her hair and uh, I think fails and I think that's why she was totally bald in that rest of the season I think they had to shave off her hair I think that was because Kramer had cancer and it was a solidarity thing but I might be misremembering it it's been a while yeah you know what there's that great uh, great Twitter feed uh, Seinfeld present day Seinfeld or whatever it is what's it called yeah I think present yeah right and then it could also be fever dream Seinfeld <laughs> imagine plots from seinfeld like remember that whole season where kramer had cancer and they all shaved their heads it's just a real surprising dark turn in the middle of a network sitcom from the 90s sort of like season two of you're the worst surprise it's a well it was a surprisingly dark show too but let's move on from seinfeld to present day judge john hodgman Jeff, Stephanie, you both failed to guess the cultural reference, so we are going to hear this case. Stephanie, you bring the case against Jeff because he's got a car that smells real bad because he's a cook, a chef, a food maker. What do you call yourself, Jeff? A cook. A cook. In a restaurant in East Nashville, Tennessee. 
And if I understand this, Stephanie, uh, he puts all his dirty cooked laundry and old food in the car and it smells real bad all the time. And you want him to stop. Is that not so? That is so. All right. And Jeff, you don't want to stop putting all your dirty laundry and old food scraps into the car. Is that not so? That is not so. I mean, that is so. Okay. I, 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 it, the status quo works fine for me. Um, I'm isolating the smell in a car that I, there is no problem with it being there. But you Better ag- there than in our house. You acknowledge that there is a smell. I acknowledge there is a faint smell. And uh, Stephanie, how would you characterize the smell of Jeff's car? Well, in my notes... I'd, ri- I'd written the beast, so I'll never forgive myself for not <laughs> naming the uh, summary judgment. Um, oh, because that's what they yeah. refer to Jerry's car. Yes. Because it smells yes. so bad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you um, already knew this episode. I did. You should have <laughs> reviewed this one before you came on, because where else am I going to go for a cultural reference involving a smell car? Yeah. Describe the, the car and its smell the way yes. you perceive it. Yes. So it is a, it kind of smells like what a trash can smells like after you've left trash soot in it for four or five days. I mean, it's like the smell of sort of decomposing food, smoke, grease, kind of, you know, it's just all trapped in a hot car and it just leaves this like pungent, unpleasant, definitely not faint (laughs) um, smell of I don't want to say rot, but I don't know a better word, you know, a better descriptor. So, yes, rot. And But you have your own car. Is that not so? That is so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it means that we drive everywhere that we drive, we drive in, in my car. So, you know, I don't ever get to ride in the other car. Um, and when the well, car wait that a minute, I drive is Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What kind of car do you drive? Stephanie. Uh, Please say bitch and Camaro. Please say bitch and Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> bitch and golf, but <laughs> a Volkswagen, Volkswagen Golf. Yes. And what kind of car does Jeffany drive? A 2007 sil- silver Civic, Honda Civic. Why would you ever want to be in that car anyway, Stephanie? Well, sometimes the uh, Bitch and Golf is in the garage, <laughs> so we have to have a way to get around. Right. Um, there have been there have been a couple of reasons. Jeff has needed to take the other car to haul something home because the one car is a hatchback, the other is a sedan. Right. There have been a couple of reasons in the last year that we've swapped. And also, we had decided whenever we got the newer car that the older car would be the quote-unquote dog car, and it would be the vehicle that we took the dog to the park in and... Mm-hmm. You know, the car that was kept less pristine, but that has since fallen to the wayside. Um, so you're saying your dog, what's your dog's name? Albie. You're saying Albie doesn't want to ride in a car that smells of meat? <laughs> no, he most definitely does. All right. <laughs> he also wants to lick Jeff's shoes and his pants and his aprons and right. his coats. <laughs> right. All right. Let me just get some more very specific details down and then we're going to go to an expert witness. Okay. Stephanie, how old are you? 29. 29. Jeff, what is your age? 31. 31. Yeah, I remember now. I remember. Right. I remember. <laughs> uh, you guys are not married, but nope. you cohabitate? 
Yes. And cohabitated you, for eight years. You have cohabitated for eight years in, in Nashville, a ver- which I've never been, but I understand it's very cool these days, full of a lot of good restaurants. Is that not so, Jeff? That is very much so. What kind of food do you I'm make at the restaurant? What kind of food do you make at the restaurant? Um, we make, it's kind of a hybrid. The chef is from Pennsylvania, so there's some Pennsylvania Dutch cooking. We have Scrapple on. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. I blew out. I blew out all the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of those electromagnetic blasts that comes from a sunspot. <laughs> all right, just quick, quick question, because we are recording here from the from Cave Comedy, and maybe Jesse, you set something up as a little prank for me. Is this a, like a weird one of those Milgram experiments, <laughs> where there's something set up in my chair such that when Jeff says "scrapple," you hit a switch and. And you and you trigger pure pleasure in me. I think that the whole purpose of this was to see how many times we can describe Scrapple and its odor uh, before you before you are reduced to a whimpering pile of goo. <laughs> uh, won't take many times. I think about Scrapple a lot. I think I've heard the details of the case, and because this is Max Fun Drive, and because we have all kinds of special fun things going on. I want to get our expert witness on the line as quickly as possible so we can we can get his take. And then the four of us can go back to arguing about this like children. <laughs> so, uh, pr- uh, producer in Los Angeles, Julia, can we get our expert witness on the line? Ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience and litigants here in the courtroom, may I present to you expert witness and uh, frequent guest uh, on the Maximum Fun podcast, Judge John Hodgman, my my very good friend, uh, 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 author, uh, ho- television host, uh, uh, bon vivant, and obviously food expert, Mr. Alton Brown. How are you, sir? I am very well and happy to be back in your court, Judge. And even though you believe that a hot dog is a sandwich and I believe it is not, we're going to put that aside for the purposes of... In, in, all, in all reality, between you and I, I don't either. I just like poking trouble at things because I like to see people fight about it. You and I both know that it's, uh, a hot dog is, in fact, not a sandwich. Oh, my, my goodness. This is a Max Fun Drive miracle. I didn't realize that <laughs> we were, a, we were no, actually it's, not going to come to blows true. I did that strictly to be an Asian provocateur. Oh, that, that, that is all. I didn't and think... the reason that a hot dog, the reason that a hot dog is not a sandwich is because the bread is not separated into two pieces. And that, to me, is the actual definition. Well, look, I could talk to you about this all afternoon, especially now that I know we're in agreement, because those are my favorite people to talk to, the people I agree with. Be careful talking to him for too long. He's already admitted he's with the KGB. <laughs> Jean Provocateur, Alton Brown, you have uh, your time is limited. Uh, we have, we have a, a, a food and professional cooking-related issue at hand. So I'm going to present to you the case in a very brief format, and then I'm going to let you speak to the litigants and, and give your thoughts on the matter, and then I'm going to let you go on with the rest of your life. Is that all right with you? Spiel on, sir. Spiel on. Uh, standing before you in the theater of the mind is Jeff and Stephanie. Jeff is 31 years old. Stephanie is 29. Is that correct, Stephanie? That's correct. They cohabitate in love in Nashville, Tennessee, where Jeff is a cook at a local Scrapple restaurant, the name of which I do not know. They have two cars. 
Stephanie has a Volkswagen Golf. Jeff has an older Honda Civic, silver in color, a non-hatchback that he uses to commute back and forth uh, to his job. The problem is that, according to Stephanie, not only does he keep his professional knives in the car, but also his used and dirty aprons and various unspecified food scraps, making it smell bad. This makes the dog want to ride in the car, but it makes Stephanie nauseated to her stomach and thus limiting their joint car ridership to her car. And when it is in the shop, she throws up all over the place. Some of the, I've taken some <laughs> dramatic license with this. Uh, and one wrinkle that I will add, and then there will be another wrinkle in a minute because I've, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm not a reality television host, but I know the game a little bit, is that if I have deduced correctly, Jeff... You are a graduate of the New England Culinary Institute in Vermont. Is that not so? That is so. Making you guys fellow, uh, that is your alma mater, is it not, Alton? Yes, but whether he actually went there remains to be seen because your story has got some very, very troubling little pieces in it that I require clarification. Well, I will let you clarify to your heart's content. Um, No graduate that I know of, of the uh, culinary, of New England Culinary Institute, would allow dirty aprons or chef coats to accumulate in a vehicle. At the end of one shift, one removes those and, uh, and takes them directly to a laundry or throws them in a, a laundry bag. So I'm already um, on, on high alert here because I'm, I'm hearing that there's a habit being uh, uh, you know, displayed in an automobile that does not reflect the uh, the code of my alma mater. So something's afoot here. Well, Jeff, do I misinterpret that you are putting dirty aprons into the back of your car and letting them sit there, or I should say, marinate there? You're not incorrect. It's it's a part of a system of it's my laundry system. I'm, I'm not wearing <laughs> dirty, a, a grad a graduate of the New England Culinary Institute would not wear a dirty uniform or a dirty apron to their place of employment as part of the professional code. But um, these they would they would shove them into the backseat of a Honda Civic. Is that what you're saying? They might because I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Alton Brown agrees with you. Do you, sir? Um, I I I find it distasteful. Um, but you know what? If if there's no other laundry service available, and he's let me let me ask you a question, sir, because this this could be um this could kind of make or break this situation. You you. Let's say that there's there's no laundry service available at the restaurant. So you have a system. I, I would like you to go ahead and describe in as much detail as possible the nature and the, the, the steps of that system. Would you do so? Uh, yes, I'd be glad. So I have in my possession four chef coats um, as issued by the restaurant that I work at. And I've accumulated uh, four aprons, so equal parts. Um what I'd like to do is to limit, if I can, my laundry to one time a week or because I work five shifts a week in general. If I need to, I'll do a second load. But so I will cycle through. I'll have four, say this is the end of the week and the start of a new week. There'll be four dirty coats and aprons. I'll do the load. I will put the clean coats back in the car and then use those as I go into work. And then at the end of the four days, I'll just rinse and repeat. So it cuts down. Okay. On my now, now you talk about, you talk about doing this laundry. Where do you do this laundry? In my house. 
Um, this is the domicile that you currently share with the lady who has brought the complaint against you. Yes. That's correct. Okay, correct. There's a bit of a hesitation there, which makes me think there's something else going on. Who, when you say my house, is that indeed your house? Do you own the house? Is your name on the lease? It is. It is our house okay. recently purchased. Recently purchased. So the two of you jointly own a home. Yes. Correct. But you're not married. That's right. Okay. So in a way, first let me ask you this. Is there no way to seal the offending materials in something like an airtight Cambro or large Tupperware or in some kind of trash bag scenario so that those odors do not permeate the vehicle? That, if, if I read the brief correctly, was actually gifted to you by the young lady in question. I think gifted is a, a bit <laughs> misleading. It's a bit more of a hand-me-down situation. See, now situation. professional television host Alton Brown got to the second wrinkle before I could. <laughs> well, I'm the, sorry, I'm trying to get, the, trying to get right. down to the point that, okay, he's doing the laundry, he's doing it in the home, but he's, he's refusing to put the, um, the offending material in, in some kind of a containment that would prevent it from further destroying the inside of the car. Now, it seems to me that in a way he's doing his, his lady a favor because he's not bringing the offending materials into the house and allowing it to sit and marinate there. The bigger concern is if you're going to leave it in your car, why can't you put it inside something that doesn't allow it to sink up the place? Oh, I mean, but the, the the question would be equally applicable if he was bringing the stuff into the house. He's using the car as a hamper. He could put the car. He could put the. Yeah. He could put his his chef's clothes into a plastic, you know, a garbage bag in the car or in the home and and seal it off that way, right? Who is the owner of the vehicle? I am. Though I consider it oh, community property. Game over. This is all, this is all over. No, actually, no, ma'am, it is not community property. You live in the state of Tennessee, and you are unmarried. It is not community property unless you have established, I believe it's a seven-year uh, length of common uh, law marriage in the state of Tennessee. Have we lived that? in Vermont long enough to be considered common law married in Vermont <laughs> before, before we moved That here. is in Vermont. That is in Vermont. Uh, that does not cross state lines until you have a marriage and a ring on your finger. That clock restarts. When you move into Tennessee, Vermont barely even has laws that aren't related to ice cream. <laughs> well, you know, they, when I was there, they didn't even put your picture on the driver's license. But that's, um, you know, neither neither here nor there. Wow. I'm sorry, Judge. I'm taking over. I'm taking over your show. I, I don't. I'm see glad this you a culinary are. Culinary matter. Believe me, I don't I'm. See this as a culinary matter. No, no, no. It's a property matter, and you know there it's is a property long, matter. There is, property matter. Just to just to clarify, uh, for the, for the listener. The the wrinkle that has been revealed is that the the, the Honda Civic uh, belonged first to Stephanie. She has see, since ceded use of it to Jeff, whom I call Jeffany, but it is still legally hers, at least on paper. And I'm very glad that you have brought this element to the discussion, Mr. Alton Brown, because this podcast does certainly not prohibit. Uh, loved ones from living together outside of the bond of marriage, but it does not encourage it for these very reasons, because they are essentially mortgage married. They have all of the all of the 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 fun of sharing a mortgage together with none of the legal protections of actual marriage, and I and that's not something I think is is worth it. But that's a choice that they have made in their lives. Now, just to clarify, how long have you lived together in the state of Tennessee? 
Um, a year and a half. A year and a half. So, common law marriage does not apply. Does is your is uh is Jeff's name on the papers of this Civic? No, but he owns the car that I drive. Ugh. <laughs> the new car. <laughs> oh, keep going, Judge. I want to see where this is going. <laughs> uh, well, Solomonic wisdom suggests you just cut both cars in half, <laughs> and then and then you weld one half of each to the other. And I then, would like to say too that I had pr- presented um, to Jeff, and I've actually asked for years that he just bring his coats in at the end of the shift, mm-hmm. put them in a laundry basket that's next to the washer and dryer, because I actually do the majority of the laundry. So, and have offered to wash coats when I see them in laundry baskets. And our laundry room, which is the room that you enter into from the gr- from the driveway. Um, is pretty separated from the rest of the house. It's kind of the room where the, you know, the dog sleeps and stuff. So, Madam, if he is now willing to commit to you in marriage, what makes you think he's willing to commit to bringing in his laundry? <laughs> is the laundry the only source of smell and and damage no, to the car? It is not. What is? The, I, what are the other sources I, of of smell? Well, as a cook, I mean, on a daily basis, I'm. You know, breaking down salmon, which is a pretty smelly oil, um, mm-hmm. have garlic. Technically, I think salmon is a fish. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it's not a, not uh, just an oil. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to say anything. Okay. The oils from the salmon fish yeah. get on my hands yeah. and then onto the steering wheel. Right. Um, you wipe them all over I, the steering wheel. Yep. <laughs> wipe it all over. So washing, washing your hands at the end of the uh, shift. You also don't have running water or soap at this restaurant. I'm actually okay. glad that you didn't mention the name of this place because I think that we should probably avoid it simply wow. based on the sanitation uh, skills of the uh, of the cook in, in question. Yeah, but they make I their... I would like to say Jeff is very clean, but his poor clothes are not at the end of his shift. Right. <laughs> well, apparently neither is the steering wheel of your Honda Civic, ma'am. There are smells that linger even after you wash your hands thoroughly. I've got some timeless soap, and I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that. But again, as, as the judge points out, this is about ownership and power. Um, you know, um, she's emphasizing her power over your life by complaining about what you're doing to the car she gave you that you don't own. You're allowing her to use the car that you bought because it's nicer for her daily transportation, and you don't want to bring your laundry in at night because you're not willing to commit to a relationship. That's all makes perfect sense. I think you've really, you know what, I, Alton Brown, you have found the crux of this whole case. That's because it's always the same thing. Yeah, it, it comes, it comes down, Judge, to to human nature, and um, in these situations, you know. I I think you're you absolutely wash your right. dog. You wash your dog. You lit it out in the yard, and it goes in rules and poop. One to cover its own smell. Two to show you who's boss. Exactly so. And there, and how often does your dog uh, roll around in its own poop? You guys. Stephanie and Jeffany? <laughs> Pretty frequently, actually. Uh, what kind of dog? I have one last question of yeah. a culinary nature. Please. Um, when anyone else rides in this car, does anyone else notice the aroma? That's that's a great question. I frequently give rides home to my coworkers, and I have never heard mention. No, of I'm talking about, I think okay. he's talking about civilians. What about people who ride in your car who retain their sense of smell? <laughs> uh that actually doesn't occur very often, so I, I don't have precedent for that. Nobody has been in the car for a while besides Stephanie, myself, and my coworkers. Real quick, Stephanie, because Alton Brown's got, got to go and, and change the world. What would you have me order Jeffany to do 
with regard to your car in future? How would you like me to, his? How would you like his behavior to change? Yes. So simplest thing. I just want him to bring the clothes that he has worn during a shift into the house at the end of the day. Leave them by the washer and dryer. He or I will make sure that they are washed and that they that he keeps his clean clothes folded up inside. Takes one, takes it to work. But just that there are well, no what about, clothes. In the what car. about the knives and food scraps that you were, you accused him of leaving in the car? Well, yes, the knives certainly shouldn't be in there. And the only food scrap that was in his car when I investigated last week was a a banana. So, you know, keep the bananas out of the car, bring the knives in at the end of the day. And the issue with the knives is that these are his professional knives? Yes. And, you know, in Vermont, I mean, we could leave our doors open, our windows down, and it wouldn't be a problem. But we have had a break-in since moving here to Nashville. Um... And some, for some reason, they did not take his knives. So that was a good thing. But um, And I would say he takes his knives in about 40% of the time, but it should be 100%. All right. So you've heard all the evidence, uh, expert witness Alton Brown. Do you have a recommendation for this court? Yes. I think that he should, uh, she should sell him the car or he should go get another car that's his. You've heard the word of expert witness Alton Brown, author television host, food expert, friend of this court, and huge fan of sanitation. You can find him on Twitter at, what is your Twitter handle off the top of your head? Alton Alton Brown. Alton Brown. Alton Alton Brown. And thus the gateway to all of his uh, many, many adventures online and often on your television. And it's so nice to speak with you again. I hope you have a, a great rest of your afternoon, sir. An honor to be in your court, Judge, anytime. Well, let's have a, let's have a whiskey soon. You bet. All right. So we're going to let him go, and uh, and then I'm going to examine the evidence, and then I'm going to render my verdict. Well, Judge Hodgman, now that we have said goodbye to our great friend, Alton Brown, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Max Fun Drive. You want to head over to your chambers? Yeah, let's go over there right now. Hey, Jesse, while we're walking over there, did you hear how Alton Brown said that a hot dog isn't a sandwich? That's amazing. That's just the kind of important news that is broken only here at maximumfun.org podcast. What a scoop. (laughs) And how lucky we are to have so many great and incredible friends and guest bailiffs and and, and occasional uh, expert witnesses who who come on the show and between John Darneal and Tao Wen and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, John Roderick, Jean Grey, all these amazing talents who, who make this show so special. And I want to give them special thanks. And, I, and, I, and I'll just use this as an opportunity to, re- to remind you guys that, you know, uh, we have fun bringing you the show. And so we're really grateful when you're able to support us. Yeah, this is uh, this is a listener supported show in a very real way. That's to say, like the income that comes from you supporting MaximumFun.org and you supporting Judge John Hodgman is not supplementary to our income. It is the primary thing that pays for the production of this show, pays for Julia Smith's time. Uh, setting up and um, managing the show, pays for Mark McConville's time editing the show, uh, pays for us to be in studios, uh, pays for us to have someone work with the litigants so that they know how to use Skype right. Um, all of these things, uh, all of these things are paid for by you. It's the it's what makes this show possible to exist at all. I don't want to take anything away from the many, many great podcasts that are two dudes talking to each other and cracking each other up. <laughs> but 
but the, the, this show is a little bit more intricate, a little bit more technically complicated and requires more people to make it the show that you enjoy. And uh, and so we're really, really grateful to everyone who has already supported us through the Max Fund Drive by going to MaximumFund.org slash donate. And we look forward to being grateful to those of you who uh, have not yet gotten around to it, let's say. We have a goal of 5,000 new and upgrading members for Maximum Fun. And uh, if you want to donate, the simplest way to do it is to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. That's the simplest way to do it because it's the only way. <laughs> it really is. I mean, there's other ways like... Um, you could build a website that redirects to MaximumFun.org slash donate yeah. and then go to that website and then find yourself, oh, look at this. I'm at MaximumFun.org slash donate. But mostly what you should do is get out your computer, your telephone or whatever and go to MaximumFun.org slash donate so that you can support the production of this show. There are levels for any price range. You know, it doesn't it, – as far as I'm concerned, if you're uh, – if you don't have a job, you're off the hook. 100%. If you do have a job, you can afford to support uh, what you love. If you care about if you care about your entertainment um, and, you know, you think it's something that's worth paying for, if it has value to you, there's a level at which you can support MaximumFun.org. Here's another thing, Jesse, and it's appropriate since we're, we're talking about food and cooking here. Uh, you and I have both talked about how much we enjoy Breville brand uh, toasters and toaster ovens. We are really thrilled that Breville USA is partnering with us to give away one of their top-rated, amazing, beautiful... It's not a toaster oven. It's called a smart oven. Yeah, this thing... Uh, by the way, this is unpaid. Someone, <laughs> someone thought this was like a complicated scheme that we had come up with to commercialize the Max Fund Drive. Actually, uh, Breville was so excited that we genuinely really like our Breville ovens that they offered to let us give one away, and we were like... Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So here's what you have to do. Tweet with the hashtag toast to max fun and the donation link maximumfund.org slash donate and tell us why you supported the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And we're going to pick one at uh, we're going to pick one that's our favorite. Uh, and I think we'll probably end up picking this on Friday night uh, when we're doing a live stream from Max Fun World Headquarters with me and Jordan and tons of other Max Fun uh, hosts. Uh, that's going to be Friday night at 7 Pacific. Uh, you can watch at maximumfund.org. Uh, but we're going to pick our favorite one, and that person will win one of these uh, really neat, super uh, sophisticated uh, tabletop ovens. It, these things are great. I want to say that the reason to support MaximumFun.org slash donate isn't because you get cool prizes, although you do. It's not because you get bonus content, although you do. It's not because you want to get yourself a, a nice uh, toaster oven, although that's great too. The real reason is because you think that this is something that is worth paying for, that you think that the work that we do and the work that Julia does and the work that Mark does and the contributions of all these amazing litigants and all of these uh, guests and uh, all of the support staff here at MaximumFun.org uh, is worth something to you. Um, and if you value any of those, it, it really doesn't matter to me what level you support it at. It, what really matters to me is that you choose to support it because that is you saying to us that our work is of value to you. And the way that you can do that is to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. MaximumFun.org slash donate. Don't build a website that redirects to that one. That's a waste of your time. <laughs> Let's get back to the case. Thank you. We've heard from Alton Brown. And uh, before uh, I go into the backseat of my car to render a whole bunch of bacon till it smells in there and thus render my verdict, 
Stephanie, you did send in some photographs that will be available on the MaximumFun.org website, the Judge John Hodgman website at MaximumFun.org. And uh, this is the evidence that you submitted, so I want to look at it. And this is the back seat, the first piece of evidence. Do you want to narrate it or shall I? Um, I can. So the picture that was taken last week is of the dirty clothes that are put in the back seat. This was um, Jeff's kind of first day off after a week of shifts. So all of his aprons, all of his coats, and his knife bag, and a banana. <laughs> right. And, this, and, the, and the orange bag here is the knife bag. Is that correct, Jeff? Yes, sir. And I am I to presume that the banana is there to help the other items ripen? <laughs> That's it. No, I, yeah, I think you're supposed to put it all into a paper bag with an avocado too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a ba- a basket's ball in there as well. Okay, got it. And then this other photo is you have just taken all this stuff out and put it on the roof of the Civic. Is that right, Stephanie? Yes, to count. And this is the four. Chef's coats and four aprons. Is that correct? Yes. All right. And then uh, there's also pictures of food, which I don't care about, except for the final picture of food, which is a picture of the scrapple. Just meant to illustrate the many different smells that Jeff is introduced to throughout his day. Right. So there's a there's an, a panoply of smells. Uh, we have um, something sautéed, something... Do, Jeff, do you have these photos in front of you? Uh, I've seen the photos. And um, let me just say that uh, on... <laughs> My shift in, at the restaurant, I'm working in front of a, a wood-burning oven that's burning hickory wood mm-hmm. for roughly, you know, six to seven hours. That smell, I mean, is in my hair, like the, in the Seinfeld episode. Like, yeah. it's all over me. Like, I, I, regardless of the uniforms, there is going to be some st- some smell in the car. Right. And I've taken steps to mollify, ameliorate that smell by putting... Tomato sauce. Uh, yeah, putting tomato sauce in the car. No, putting air fresheners in the car. Mm-hmm. I, I submitted evidence for that earlier. I don't know if that's in front of you or not. Did, did you do it? Did you put air fresheners in the car? I, I did. Yeah, yes, well, then I'll, then I'll accept that. I'll accept your word as evidence. There's no way I'm going to be able to smell your picture so that whatever difference it makes is meaningless to me. I don't know. I mean, I'm seeing he these did, pictures. You did put the air fresheners in, but the yeah. smell remained. Yeah, of course, because they're air fresheners. They don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> they just add a different smell. But I see you know, there's a lot a lot of delicious looking food here that is clearly cooked in for, on a wood fire grill. Uh, uh, and, and then there's at least uh, uh, seven or eight pounds of cooked bacon uh, that's not in the car, but photographed. I mean, you're doing a lot of heavy duty wood cooking. Are you cooking this? How are you cooking the scrapple? Are you home making the scrapple? Is it house made? We do. We do homemade the scrapple, house-made, professionally-made scrapple. It uh, got your chicken livers, you got your pork product, by which monopoly you... of spices, right? And it's a uh, it's deep fried, so mm-hmm. it's it's basically cooked, pressed. People who don't cut, know what scrapple, people who haven't listened to the show before and haven't heard me talk about scrapple, scrapple is a traditional Pennsylvania Dutch, essentially a savory pudding that is made up of leftover traditionally pork scraps from butchering pork that you then uh, it's a sausage and you and you cut that up to various degrees of fine 
and then you usually mix it with a lot of sage and other spices with some cornmeal, and then you form it into a loaf. I guess you can add chicken livers. I haven't tried that. I'd like to give your scrapple a try, sir. And you form that into a loaf. And uh, if this sounds unappetizing to you, maybe you should listen to a different podcast because I'm telling you, <laughs> this is take a walk, kid. The once you have that loaf of scrapple, it's a dense loaf sausage loaf, and then you cut that up and then you fry it, either pan fry it or deep fry the slices. And this looks like some beautiful scrapple. And we um, use buck, buckwheat flour, so it's a, it's a little bit firmer than you might be used to. Interesting. Well, you know, I'm I'm curious to try this unnamed restaurant and its scrapple. Um, one last question before I get down there to, uh, to, to sample your scrapple, sir, Jeff, why, why won't you just bring in your laundry and your chef knives the way Stephanie has asked you to do? To be honest, I don't feel as though I'm hurting anybody. Um, nobody else needs to be in the car besides me. I take it point A to point B. And when we ride together, it's in the new car, which would be the case anyways. And when you're riding, when you're riding together in the new car, are you wearing a a custom made suit made of saran wrap so you don't stink up that one too? Of course. (laughs) How much, how much of the smell do you think is coming off of your, your laundry and, and your, and your goods versus your person when it comes to the car? I'd say it's 60, 40. I think probably you're going to get more off of, you know, the laundry that's, you know, it, right. it, I mean, to be honest, it's not a high volume restaurant, but we do a lot of covers and it's busy and I do get food on my clothing and it's sit, sitting there in the car. So it's with, a good portion of the smell. And with all that wood smoke and all that stuff that you're cooking with in the kitchen, Stephanie, I mean, when he comes in the house, he smells like Scrapple, right? Well, I'm usually asleep by the time he gets home, but um, it, it lingers. All right. I think I've heard everything I need to. I'm going to go into my chambers and and enjoy some professionally made Haberset brand Scrapple from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And maybe I'll add some chicken livers to it. And while I'm doing that, I'll mull this all over. And um, when I have the full stew of my opinion, I will come out of this uh, chambers and render my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Jeff, how often are you stinking up the joint just personally? I'm not even talking about your stuff. I'm just talking about you personally. How much are you stinking up the joint? Probably 60-40. No, no, I mean. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love that answer. No, I I think I feel that I've been a little bit misrepresented in this whole case. I, I'm not a messy cook. Um, I wash my hands. Um, I, I just... I feel I work a very demanding, hard job with long hours. And when I get home at 1.45 in the morning, laundry isn't at the top of my list to, you know, for what I'm going to be doing. You know, I've been on my feet for about 12 hours and running around. It just doesn't seem super practical to be that anal about the laundry to me. Have you ever seen those giant Ziploc bags? Uh, Yeah. Those are those are cool, right? Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, Stephanie, how do you feel like you're doing in the case? Uh, how do you think this is going to turn out? Well, before I left the office, everyone said that I was going home to for my boyfriend to break up with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's certainly been something that we have talked about for quite a while. So, I feel I feel confident that. Cleanliness will be on my side. 
Now, is the reason that the two of you don't enjoy the legal protections of marriage really Jeff's fault, or is, or is it your fault, or is it a joint mistake? Um, well, <laughs> I would say it's because Jeff is too shy to propose to me at this point. <laughs> it's something Listen, that he's apparently been trying to do for a year. It's in the cards. It's, it's happening. You know, you know what's really romantic, <laughs> Jeff? What's that? Podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. I mean, we got a little time. to. Th- you can let it marinate. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second with Judge John Hodgman's decision. Let's take a quick break here in Chambers to talk about the Max Fun Drive, the thing that makes all of this possible. Jesse, Jesse, I, I want to talk about this, but something terrible has happened in my life. What's wrong? Well, on the way to Chambers, I fell down and all my money fell into the sewer. And all I have left is $5 a month to give to Maximum Fun. And I don't know if it's worth it. Of course it's worth it. As I said in the last break, Judge Hodgman, the thing that means something to me is that you support this show and all of the work that we do here at MaximumFun.org. It's not about how much money you give. It's about that you give. And $5 a month is an amazing contribution. And not only does it give you the smug self-satisfaction of knowing every time you listen to this show that you're a part of how it gets made, it also gets you literally hundreds of hours of bonus content of Judge John Hodgman and all of the MaximumFun.org slash shows, which is exclusive, exclusive to people who go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and support what we do. Jesse, 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 I wasn't listening to any of that because I have good news. Oh, yes. What's that? I spent all that time that you were just talking. Yeah. Getting a string and putting gum on the end and dropping it down into the sewer to get my money back. Not a bad decision. Continue. Now I, I now I got some of my money back and I can give $10 a month. Oh. <laughs> I've got good news for you, Judge Hodgman. I am thrilled. I am literally making a mess of myself because I'm so excited for you. Uh, you can not only get... All of the bonus content and the smug self-satisfaction of knowing you're part of the solution. But you also get one of these amazing bandanas. Artist Megan Lincott took the kind of classic Paisleys and uh, Dots uh, bandana style and has created a special bandana for every MaximumFun.org show. There's one for Judge John Hodgman. It's full of mustaches and hot dog non-sandwiches and martinis on it. Exactly. It's full of special Judge John Hodgman stuff. Jesse, I have good news. Oh, great. The good news just keeps on coming, Judge Hodgman. It turns out I am Hulk Hogan, and I've just been awarded many millions of dollars in a jury settlement for an invasion of privacy lawsuit. That's something from the news. Wait a minute. This isn't just news. This is Hulk Hogan news. It's a Hulk Hogan news. So I can actually afford to give a little bit more than $10 a month. Are there other levels that I can donate at? At the $20 a month level, not only do you get all of that stuff that we described, but one of our coolest gift packs ever, the Max Fun Adventure Necessities Kit. And this is not just for rural, country, and mountain adventures. This is for urban adventures as well. You get, uh, number one, a multi-tool. It's what's called a Swiss Army knife, except that I don't think we can call it a Swiss Army knife because we're not the Swiss Army. You also get a traveling pack of toilet tissue, some hot cocoa with the Maximum Fun rocket ship on it. Uh, You get 
uh, most importantly of all, a, par- a paracord bracelet, uh, which is not only attractive to wear and features the MaxFun rocket ship on the toggle, but also can be used in survival situations. For example, let's say you drop all your money down a grate and you need something to unravel and attach some chewing gum to so you can get it back in a series of delightful uh, bits of good news. Well, that would never happen. But yeah, it's still a nice bracelet. (laughs) Judge Hodgman, can I ask you one question? Of course. Is there any more good news on the way? Because I feel like I've been getting good news pretty consistently every time I finish describing the thank you gifts. Uh, well, I have to tell you, I'm not actually Hulk Hogan. Oh, man. That was just a little conceit to help people (laughs) be ambitious in their giving if they can't afford to be and join us in supporting at any level that you feel comfortable with. If you give it the $35 a month level, you probably know if you follow me on social meds of any kind. I will mispronounce your name at the $35 a month level. You just send me, email me my, just email me the receipt. Uh, from your donation at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org, same place where you submit cases. Judge Hodgman! What? Good news! I'm the ghost of The Ultimate Warrior, 1980s professional wrestler The Ultimate Warrior, and I love hot soup! That's why I'm so excited that at the $35 a month level, not only will you mispronounce my name on social media, but I will also get a MaxFun branded vacuum thermos with travel tumbler! Ghosts love hot soup, and they also love cold drinks. At the end of the day, though, no matter what level you choose to support MaximumFun.org at, uh, the point is that you care about the work that we do here on Judge John Hodgman and on all of our other shows. Um, There are lots of professional artists and entertainers who work here at MaximumFun.org, and we're all paid directly by you. That means so much to me. Um, It means so much to me that we're never beholden to advertisers Uh, that we can make the choices that we want and that we can create something that means something uh, deep enough to people that they support it voluntarily. And I hope that you out there will choose to support it voluntarily. I mean, obviously it means a lot to to me and you, Jesse, and to, and to Julia and Mark McConville and everyone else at Max Fun. But I dare say it means something to you, the listener, as well. We live in a media environment where we can get a lot of stuff for free, whether we're meant to get it for free or not. And, uh, and, that's a, and it's a wonderful world for both creators and consumers of culture. But I know that I personally feel best when I, am in, when I enjoy something a lot for me to give back a little bit to the person who made it, ideally in the way that helps them make money. Well, this is that way. The best way for you to contribute is to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Thank you, everybody. Let's get back to the case. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Bailiff Jesse, did uh, did Jeff propose to Stephanie while I was in chambers? No, he's letting it marinate right now. Good, I didn't want to miss it. <laughs> didn't want to miss it. There was one question, Stephanie, that I neglected to ask, and I feel bad about it. I'm not sure that it'll change my opinion, but I, I am curious to know. If... If Jeff made the changes that you ask of him with regard to this car, do you feel that the car is recoverable? That it that it it will go back to the nice smelling Civic that you once owned, or will it forever be the beast as it was in the Jerry Seinfeld episode, The Smelly Car, where the odor will just linger forever and, and you will always remember that you had this conflict? Well, I think that with a maybe a trip or two to one of Nashville's nicer detailers, 
um, to have it shampooed, I think we can start again. First of all, you you must know the prejudices of this court. No one who makes a living involving Scrapple in any way can can ever be a villain in my courtroom. I am I am a fan, Jeff, of what you are doing in this unnamed East Nashville restaurant. Uh, it is not your restaurant. You are not the owner of it. Is that so? That is so. Um, but I will. I'll, do you think that they would like to? Uh, be named in a podcast and have you and your slobby ways associated with it? I'm not a slob, but uh, no, I'd probably best left unnamed, uh-huh. I think. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you say that you are not a slob, and I, and I believe you when you, um, when you describe your hygiene habits. And, and you're clearly a courteous person and clearly you're trying to get the wood smoke out of your hair before you before you <laughs> spend any intimate time with your beloved. But I have seen the photographic evidence of the inside of that car. And sir, that car is slobbed up. No offense. You are throwing all that junk in there. I've seen the stains on the aprons. I've seen the banana on the back seat. Two words that should never go together, especially... <laughs> When, when you have, when your backseat has a fabric covering. And so you, you may not be a slob in anywhere outside of this very special silver envelope that is the Civic's exterior, but inside you are clearly letting it all hang out. And do you know what? Uh, you make a fine argument for that because you get home at one forty-five a.m. You work long hours and you want to just get in as soon as possible. And so you get out of the car and strip naked and then walk to the house naked <laughs> and immediately get in bed with all of your wood smoke hair and sweat and grease and fish oil hands and cuddle up with your wife. I don't blame you. The, the fact is you need transportation to your restaurant. And the fact is, Stephanie, that that Jeff is doing his level best a to save you from having all that greasy garbage hanging around in the laundry room, even though you say you wouldn't mind it. He's isolating it from the house. He's trying to keep his professional life a little bit contained because it smells bad. And what's more, someone who was working late at night, I think needs and deserves to have a, a, a bang around car where you can just leave your junk in the car and uh, and be able to get to and from work as quickly as possible and just leave it behind. It's essentially like uh, like your wallet. You know, people who live in, in places that don't have a lot of public transportation, uh, their, their car often becomes their backpack or their purse. And everyone has a different, and, and the car becomes a kind of personal space. And everyone has a different standard for their own personal slobbishness. And if this were your car, Jeff, I would say have at it. But Alton Brown teased out one of the critical issues here. It's not your car. I know you guys share things in common and you love each other and everything else. But this is Stephanie's old car. This is a, a, a an element of her personal life 
that she has entrusted you with and you're treating it in this manner indicates to her in a worrisome fashion how you might treat her going forward in marriage. This is legally and literally her property. And as we know, cars become, until, until we finally get past fossil fuels and get meaningful public transportation all across this country and live in megacities and we get, and we get on with our lives as a society, Cars are a place where people spend a lot of time and they establish a personal connection. And you're taking this old personal thing of hers and, and, and slobbing all over it. And so it not only has odorific damage, but I think emotional damage that you are, I think, unwittingly performing upon your beloved Stephanie. You've bought a car, this golf that you have allowed her to use, but that is not quite compensation because... Uh, what you need to do is either share everything in common or keep some parts of your lives separate. And all couples who are about to get married or are married realize that this is so. There are certain things that are completely in common and there are certain things that have to be kept separate. And it's also not compensation because apparently this Volkswagen Golf you bought breaks down all the time and, and the dog hates it or something. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. So... The fact is that luckily Alton Brown was here to suggest a very elegant solution, which is that you buy each other's cars. Stephanie, you buy that golf for a dollar. <laughs> Jeffany, you buy the Civic for a dollar. And then, well, no, wait a minute. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you buy the Civic for $100. And Stephanie, you buy the Golf for $1. Because the Golf will remain shared. And you have to let your husband-to-be drive around in it. But, this, but Jeff really needs some junk car that he can just go to and from work and really mess up so long as he is living half his life half submerged in a vat of scrapple and guts <laughs> and wood smoke. Nothing about that career, unless he changes career, is going to change, and he's going to need a junker to get to and from work that he, that he can smell up as much as he wants. And, and, and I think that, that, Jeff, you need to put more of an investment than Stephanie does in order to claim that car for your own the way you seem to want to. And I'm saying until you're married, a hundred bucks. And then you can do whatever you want in that car. I should say a thousand. Say a thousand dollars. I mean, I should say a thousand dollars. I take it back. A thousand dollars. You have to pay her a thousand dollars for that car. Like really buy it from her. That's the damages. I went from one to a hundred to a thousand. Don't test me, Jeff, or I'll add another zero. Uh, I'm... Uh, I'm good with it because, and I don't mean to yeah. introduce a, new, a wrinkle at this point in the case, but it's a but you're a multimillionaire. <laughs> uh, we we have a joint joint banking. Uh huh. So, 
it's hard to say that the, the money would just go from me to her back to me, basically. No, it wouldn't, because Stephanie's going to open a separate bank account. Oh, no. Oh. Or just like a cigar box under the bed or something. Yeah. You're going to, you, Stephanie is either going to open a separate checking account or, or just a PayPal. You know what? Not to buzz market a certain service. <laughs> or just get a, just get yourself a strong box and you're going to give her a thousand dollars in cash. And you're going to legally transfer the title of the car to Jeff in consideration of $1,000 that you get to spend however you like that is not shared as, as damages. And I am letting you off easy, sir. Because then you get a car. You never have to worry yeah. about this stuff ever again. It's a good that deal. That's great. I, I'm, I'm all for it. That's a good deal. Otherwise, if you're, if you're not going to do that, then you have to... You have to do everything that Stephanie says with regard to taking care of that car because it belongs to her. And she's taking good care of your car. And this would all be solved. This would all be solved if you would just propose marriage right now. (laughs) (laughs) I will get you out of the thousand. You will not have to pay a thousand dollars to her if you propose marriage right now. What could be more romantic, Jeff? (laughs) Not this. (laughs) I don't I don't think she's she's down with it. I would. I definitely would. Uh Uh-huh. She's shaking her head no, though. Okay, this isn't the, the right venue, I guess. You don't you don't want to be proposed to on a podcast under threat of penalty. Perhaps not. Yeah, that's fair. Every listener would like you to do it. You know, marriage is for both of you guys, but weddings are for other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Weddings are for we your loved have, ones. We already have our wedding planned. Oh, when is it? In June. June what? Is it going to be at Max FunCon at Lake Arrowhead on June 11th? That's a great idea, but in Vermont. (laughs) Where in Vermont? In East Bethel, Vermont. Well, if you won't propose marriage right now on this podcast, but you have, I'm very happy to hear you have plans for the future. I have no choice but to find in favor of Stephanie awarding damages of $1,000 in order to allow... uh, Jeffany to own the car and muck it up as much as he wants. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Jeff, how do you feel? I feel great. It's uh, it's a pretty good outcome for me. It sounded like I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a lot worse. Stephanie, do you expect uh, uh, that your husband-to-be will ever propose to you? Well, it's become a a lingering question. (laughs) Just like the lingering odor in his Honda Civic. Oh, everything lingers in Nashville. (laughs) Everything. That's their slogan. That's the city's motto. Everything lingers in Nashville. (laughs) Well, Jeff, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, before you go, Stephanie? Yes. Are you satisfied with $1,000 worth of damages in a shoebox? Second question, Stephanie? Yes. Will you marry me? <laughs> well, you're the first one to ask, so. <laughs> well, you know the law. The law, the law in Tennessee is first to ask wins. <laughs> and I think pro- maybe... I don't know. Is, uh, are multiple wives allowed in Tennessee? Because then I could then it could be legal. <laughs> I just felt that our listeners deserved hearing you be proposed to by someone. Satisfaction, yeah. Yeah, 
good. Well, <laughs> you break my you break my heart, but I wish the best for both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Judge. Great news, gang. It's time for another status conference. It's our new segment in which we check in on old litigants and see how they're doing and also make sure that they've adhered to the judge's ruling and how it's worked out. We kick this off with Pig and his daughters from Father Nas Beast, uh, which you can hear in last week's episode. So, uh, Judge Hodgman, we have we have been checking in with our friends, the Bat Brothers. Bat Bros. Periodically. Um, they were on an episode called Defleeder House, um, and we're going to talk with Noah today. So at the time of the recording, this is my favorite Judge John Hodgman ever. I think it, anyone who's ever asked me that question has gotten <laughs> this emphatic answer. It's, uh, pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty Noah good. Noah and Adam were living in a, a house that they had bought, a distressed house uh, that they had bought in Kansas. One of the points of distress was that there were holes in the house through which bats were coming. Um, and the, dis- the primary disagreement between these two brothers who shared this house was, should they fix the holes or just hit the bats with uh, uh, something heavy? Called? A phone book. No, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, a, it's funny because when I, t- I often am asked, you know, what, what is Judge John Hodgman all about? And I will often use the bat bros as an example of the perfect kind of debate we want to have. Do you treat bats humanely or do you smash them with dictionaries? Yeah. And that... <laughs> And, uh, and of course, the beauty of it is that, that while the brothers live together, Adam and Noah, and obviously have l- love in one way and a peculiar kind of affection in the other direction, um, they, they are completely different personalities. And I, and I believe we have on the line the, the gentler brother. Is that not so, Jesse? Yeah, we do. It's Noah. Um, so since since they uh, since they had this bought this house, fought these bats, um, uh, they've gone on to teach English and pursue graduate school. Um, and your... but not in the house. They fled the house. Yes, your order had been that every time uh, every time a bat was struck, five dollars had to be put into a jar for bat proofing. And right. So eventually they would have enough money for bat proofing, depending on the bat volume. Right. Because Adam's point of view is why pay a lot of money to have the bats humanely dealt with when I can smash them. Yeah. And Noah's point of view is it's not nice to smash bats, which I think we can all agree is true. I think secondarily Noah's other point of view was it's not nice to have bats flying around in your house <laughs> <laughs> or to have crushed bats on your bedside table. So, okay. Hi Noah, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Oh, well, I'm well. So, are you still in rural Kansas? No, we had uh, bounced around a little bit. I last time uh, I went to Korea and then China, and the last time we talked, I think I was in Thailand, where I still am. You're in Thailand right now. Yep, still. And and we're speaking via internet communication. Yes, it's like magic. How how can I hear you clear as a bell? But when I try to Skype across the country, it's all bing bong. <laughs> Priorities. I'd, I'd rather have fast internet than, you know, food and things like that. Where in Thailand are you? Bangkok. And Bangkok. And, and you have some pretty fast internet there? Uh, we can, yeah. Uh, it's a lot better than uh, a lot of the other countries in Southeast Asia. How many holes does your house have? Uh, this one, yeah, at the moment we actually have a, a biting ant infestation, so this is kind of cruel <laughs> irony. <laughs> It's not a cru- it's not irony because irony is the opposite of what you expect. 
<laughs> but in fact, I fully expected a biting ant infestation. So you are a teacher there in Thailand, correct? Uh, I was teaching. I, I'm now uh, working on online uh, course development. Uh, I'm an instructional designer. All the the boring things we talked about the yes. before. We when we first spoke, and then when we checked in again a couple of years later, uh, we have this tradition where Noah tries to explain what it is he's doing in the field of education, and I don't understand it. You're developing technology for online education. Yes, let's let's just go with that from here right. on out. That's obviously, perfect. I don't. Obviously, I don't get anything. What's your brother up to, Noah? Uh, he and my other brother, who does not have bat problems, are both in <laughs> Chongqing, uh, China. <laughs> I hope I'm not saying that in a racist way. I think that's how you pronounce it. Are you suggesting that your brother brings bat problems with him wherever he travels around the world? <laughs> Yeah, bite well, me once, shame on me. How, how? Well, no, bite you many times with ants. I would say it's more likely that <laughs> yes. Noah, Noah is the attractor. Well, yeah, considering I did have a rabies scare, this is true. You had a rabies scare? What do you mean? What happened? Uh, well, I, I, I was feeding a stray animal because I'm a wonderful person, right. and I was bitten. When uh, was this? Uh, close to a year or so ago. What, what kind of animal was it? Yeah, I'm, awesome. Right. No, just the uh, average street dog. And you were bitten. Yeah, just nipped. But I, I figured uh, better spend a lot of money and get shots than froth at the mouth and die. It, it seemed like the better alternative. I've heard those rabies shots are very painful. Yeah, um, probably not my favorite thing to go through. The thing that I remember so distinctly from the first time we spoke was that you, you treat the world. Uh, with with a very gracious and humane manner, uh, compared to your brother who wants to smash things, very direct <laughs> person, and yet you're sure. saying he's not having bat problems, but here you are, you've been chased around the globe by bats, ants, dogs. What do you think is going on? Why do you think you're attracting all this undue attention from the animal kingdom? I don't know. My wife's Buddhist, so she's thinking I did something really horrible the last time around. Now, that's right. You have been married since last we spoke. Is that not true? This is true. And congratulations to you. Thank you very much. Tell me about your wedding. Where did you get married? And how did you meet your wife and everything else? Um, we were going to lie about it, but I cannot keep it straight. So I'll just tell you, we met. You were going, wait, 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 wait. You were going to lie about it? Just to everybody, not not just you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Right. You know, I'm equal opportunity. Bull I understand. But you met. You were going to lie because you're embarrassed that you met online. Well, when I say we, I mean there's a social stigma uh, still for some of those things. So we, as a couple, meaning her, agreed we would do that. You made up your own meet cute. Well, we were going, I don't know what, we met during, uh, officially during the Songkran holiday, which is the big religious one here, but we met online uh, previous to that. Okay, that's, no, you met, she was running a cupcake store in mm -hmm. Brooklyn. That's right. You were a, a, a hedge fund guy who'd yeah. started to realize that your life had no meaning and you hated yourself. After you crashed your BMW. What, you're neither George Clooney nor Tom Hanks. What is this, 1992? Okay, give me, I'm, I'm out of the cultural loop. Have you Ryan Gosling? You're, I don't have the ass. I don't know, I don't know who the Tom leading Hardy. man is. Tom, yeah, you're Tom Hardy. Okay, okay. thank you very much. <laughs> most, I can live with that. Most, most terrifying rom-com leading man of all time. 
<laughs> oh, man. I'm so excited about this idea I had for... Right. You wander into this cupcake store and you, what, bring a bunch of bats with you? This is where it breaks down them. Yeah. Maybe the cupcake it was the store, cupcake store. The cupcake oh, store. first date. It, yeah. The first date is you, okay, you're volunteering at the zoo, Noah. Uh-huh. And you and you need to get it's the zoo's anniversary. You need to get four hundred cuppy cakes for all the different donors of the zoo. And uh, so she had to deliver them from Brooklyn right. to wherever the zoo is, Central Park. And uh, she did it in a funny way. And then the cuppy cakes fell. And then you got bit by a lion. I I don't understand. I don't. I don't know. I think we should just go back to the the real life inspiration. You're living in your in your house in Kansas with your brother, and there's a bat problem, and you call up the bat amelioration specialist, and it turns out to be this incredibly capable, beautiful woman, and you fall in love with her, and then there's a romantic triangle because she's initially drawn to the animal demagnetism of the bat crusher but then she falls for you how does that sound yeah there is some dynamic going on there they're they're both trying to be the alpha and, and i'm just kind of caught in the middle that's right they're, they're both inhumane killing machines it's it's one of those great beta male rom-coms that we love so yes much. so we, we're gonna have to wrap it up in a second here because you're way around the world and i don't even know how many millions of dollars you're spending on this skype call but do you think you will ever return to the United States, or is Thailand uh, now your and your wife's home? No, we'd like to go there. Um, I, I keep saying we're, we're waiting for the, the pitch for the reality show. You know, the, the royalties are going to take care of a lot of these infestations. Well, but... you know, this is, this is the reality show that I suggested at Bat Bros, where you and your brother go around the country and then the, the world for Bat Brothers International, at living in mm-hmm. houses that have infestations and dealing with it. In your own individual so we're, ways. So we're just missing the camera. We've got the rest of it. Well, you know, I'm, I, I am now uh, acquaintances with the Property Brothers, and I, and I think this could, this could have legs. Indeed, many, many legs per creature if you wanted. I'm going to try it. I'm going to talk to them about it. <laughs> well, Noah, thank you so much for joining us to check in on uh, the trials and travails of you and your brother and the various creatures that follow you around the world biting you. Keep traveling. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, oh, thank you. You can't run from the bats. Judge Hodgman, I'm going to be honest. It basically reeks here in your office. I I think we I think we should wrap this episode up real quick. That's because that's because I am I am wearing a belt of raw pork tenderloins. <laughs> oh, did you did you did you get that from the new uh, uh, artisanal? The new artisanal belt shop in uh, Brooklyn that's Marmaduke themed? Yes, exactly so. Um, This week's case named by John Combs. If you want to name a future case on Judge John Hodgman, our thanks to him. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman and like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook. Also, come chat with us. Uh, I I love to chat with people in the Max Fun Reddit. Uh, the friendliest corner of Reddit. That's MaximumFun.reddit.com. And in the Maximum Fun Facebook group, just search for MaximumFun.org and you will find it and you can join it and you can be pals with all of the nice folks in there. Uh, and 
This is the last Judge John Hodgman of the Max Fund Drive. We're not going to pitch you anymore, but we will say this. If you've been waiting until you've got every possible iota of value out of Judge John Hodgman before you got on the internet to support it, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate now and become part of the thousands of people who make this program possible. We are so grateful to you. MaximumFun.org slash donate. And thank you for all the support you've given so far. And if you and if you think it's too late, it's not too late. In the immortal words of me, don't, don't do it. Do, do, do it. MaximumFun.org slash donate. Our producer is Julia Smith, editor Mark McConville. Our thanks to Cave and Creek Comedy Radio in Long Island City. Thanks, guys. Especially guest producer Mary Kelly. Thank you, Mary. We'll talk to you next time Mar- on the Judge and Marcus, podcast. Marcus over there in the corner looking up his weird conspiracy and serial killer websites for his... For the next podcast, what's what's the <laughs> podcast that that you do this research for? Last podcast on the left. Last podcast on the left. If you're looking, fine. If we're thanking Marcus, I'm going to thank Danish celebrity Anders Breinholt for sitting patiently outside the studio to go to lunch with me this entire time. He's learning about podcasting. This guy is probably he's more famous than that Danish guy from Game of Thrones. That's how famous Anders Breinholt is. And he lives in 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 the in the. In Bernie Sanders' paradise, known as Denmark. <laughs> yes, I would say I would say that he's very handsome, which is true, but only in America because all Danish people are beautiful. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Don't ever visit that country for that reason. That's why they can have the kind of society they can have. You understand? It's basically a paradise already. Yeah, they're all beautiful, so they don't hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Bye bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.